Okay, so I'm not going to try to reteach last week, but I'm just going to give you like a run and start so that you can see where we are. Is that God's unpacking some un- some revelations that He's been giving me, and there's a way that He um, this expression that when the water rises, all the boats rise. <clears throat> so. That doesn't just mean when I get a revelation, the water rises and the boat rises for you. It means when you get a revelation, the boats rise for all of us, right? Because God, um, Moses prayed it, that we would all be kings and priests and queens and priestesses, and we would all hear from the Lord. We would all get revelation. We would all be working together. And so that's part of the great experiment that is new wine, is that you don't need a talking head. You need a living God, which we have. And you need to learn how to connect with the Spirit of God yourself so that we can learn and grow together. So, um, last week we talked about faith and what does it mean to have faith and faith being a precious gift that we give to the Lord. So I just want to remind you, just jog your memory about a couple of things. And I also wanted to talk to you about um, faith. A, A major component of faith is remembering, listen to me, Faith being based on the magnitude of God. When God gets really little, your faith gets really little. Because what's happening is, is you have unbelief and you have faith. And your unbelief grows and so does your lack of knowledge of God. But when faith grows, your knowledge of God grows and they go together. So sometimes you start, faith starts first by, God, tell me who you are again. That's the best way. It just, you just keep, God, show me who you are again. Tell me who you are again. And you're going to hear this story again and again because remember I told you I'm trying to give you an impartation of faith. Is that one of the powerful moments that I had at Bethel last um, last month in July, whatever, um, was that <clears throat> the Lord showed me the galaxy like the Milky Way, and I was looking eye level with it, and all of a sudden I saw God's finger just doop like that, and ripple effects came out, and then I heard the Lord say, "I can do anything." So now when I, I have an anchor place at any time I get to a point where I'm going, God, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how you're going to do this. The Lord just brings that anchor picture back to me and says, I can do anything. And Jesus himself said that. He said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So part of your faith life is how much do you actually believe that statement? How much do you actually believe that with God, all things are possible? Selah. Okay, so I'm telling you that because we're going to just keep talking about faith. Because some of the things, ah, here comes lots of marshmallows. Some of the revelations of God, you can only handle if you have a heart of faith. Because otherwise it's ludicrous, it's crazy, right? You're going, that's crazy, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, never heard of a burning bush before either, did you? Never heard of a talking ass before either, did you? Never heard of walls coming down because somebody walked around it before, did you? It's like if you go through Scripture, Old and New Testament, never heard about anybody putting mud on their eyes and all of a sudden blind from birth, now they can see. Never heard of that yet either, did you? And so that Jesus is going, don't put me in a box, but put your eyes on me. It says, we just prayed this earlier, fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of what? Our faith. We fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter, the creator, the one that first thought of it and started writing the story, and the one who's able to make it perfect over time, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I'm just going to tell you again that your faith is one of the most priceless 
priceless gifts that you can give to your Father in heaven. Okay? So, now having said that, as an introduction, I want to talk to you about a crazy encounter that I had with the Lord and just what He's breaking down. I'm not going to be able to do this in one, one time, and I'm not going to try to. But I... Uh, whoo, I just noticed my own... Like a faith right there going, oh, they're going to think I'm crazy. So here we go. So we shall press in. Onward ho. Just because of that. <clears throat> so I, I, I woke up and I was trying to say to Chuck that I had had, these were the words I started to say to Chuck. I've just had the craziest, I said to him, I've had the craziest encounter. And Chuck said, did you have a dream? And I went, no, I didn't. Because I was somewhere where Jesus was teaching and I knew that it was Jesus and he was trying to break down a very complex conversation and it was in the most simple of ways because it's ways that we've been talking so these are the things that he showed me and then I have some scripture that I want to go through I normally don't start with encounter first but we are so there you go um the Lord was talking about this is what it looked like it was me and several of us we were walking through the promised land. And so you come in and you see these great big uh, vineyards of grapes and the grapes are like huge, right? I want your mind to think about what it says in scripture about the promised land. What did it say about the grapes? How big were the grapes? The 10 spies, the 12 spies went and it said, get some bounty from that land and bring it back and let us see it. So they went and they got grapes and pomegranates and some other things. But what did they say about the grapes? Does anybody the grapes know? Were so big that two people had to carry. They put them cluster. on a pole. And right? Pole think about the ark, right? The ark of the covenant, two poles, the arcs here. Now think about two poles that with something that's so big. Grapes are so big. So just let your mind think about that for a second. Just let your mind contemplate that for a second. Is that true? Is this a true story? But is this a true story? Like, check your faith factors right here. Is this a true story? So there's like all these opportunities as you're reading scripture to go, do I believe this? Do I believe this? Is this God's word? Do I believe this? So in this place where I am with the Lord, I'm seeing these vineyards and these grapes are this big. One grape, not a cluster. One grape is this big. And everywhere you look, it's like just this enormity of things. And it's lush, and it's green, and it's beautiful. And you're just like going, oh my gosh, this place is amazing. And here's what I heard say, when you, when you look around, just a second, upon entering the promised land, when you look around, you have to say, you can say, I grew none of this. Because I was in the desert doing the very best I could in the desert. Are you tracking the Hebrew children in the desert, scraping out their lives? And they were brought into the promised land, and they could say, I grew none of this. I can take responsibility for none of this abundance. Are you tracking with what I'm saying? Am I making sense? And so the Lord's talking about, I'm going to show you how to go from, um, sorry, Jesus, help me get my words together. In the promised land, there's so much bounty that all you have to do is pick it up, take it with you, and say, thank you, Lord. And be aware, be aware that you grew none of this and could not grow it even when you were in the desert. When you were in Egypt, you were slaves, and then you did the best that you could with what you had. 
and then you were in the desert and you were scratching around. And now I've brought you into the promised land and you've gone from these three words, listen to these three words, from scratching around to stewarding to savoring. Are you all getting these three words? Scratching around to stewarding to savoring. This is kingship here. This is the kingdom of God before you right now. From scratching around to stewarding to savoring. You've gone from trying to make something happen and complaining about it to being stewards of abundance. You're going from trying to make something happen and complaining about it to being stewards of abundance. Just let you ponder that a second. Can you repeat that? Which part? The last phrase you said. You're going from trying to make something happen and complain about it to being stewards of abundance. Here's the thing that was amazing in the wonderland, in the promised land, was the awe of God. Walking around in the promised land, I kept, we all like, we're little kids going, wow, this is amazing. Like, how did, how did this happen? God, how did you do this? And the Lord started talking about living a life of wide-eyed wonder at how God does what God does. We're talking about a total mind shift about how you live your life. In fact, that was one of the things he said. He said, this is going to require a complete shift in your life. I don't want to go too fast. Being aware of how big this is, the beauty, the reality, the glory of God. Being aware of how big this is, the beauty, the reality, the glory of God. <clears throat> all that's in his heart to do. All that's in God's heart to do. I want you to understand that abundance is not based on, oh, Jesus. Abundance is not based on your performance. Abundance is based on his goodness. We haven't even begun to scratch the surface of how much goodness is in God's heart to pour out. He's just trying to find somebody with the faith that will carry it. I'm going to just try to say that again. Oh, I don't even know if I can say that again. Abundance is about, isn't about your performance, about whether you're doing it right or whether you're worthy or whether you're good enough. Abundance is about a reflection of his heart. It's a reflection, it's a demonstration of his goodness. And he's trying to find people full of faith that he can trust to carry this. This is a game changer. You want to know why there's so much poverty in the world today and why there's so much brokenness and poverty among believers? Is because there's no faith. With lots of marshmallows. And the Lord is asking for a people that will take what they have right now today and go, I bless it and I have more than enough because I have you. And you're going, I don't have enough bills to pay out, um, have enough money to pay out my bills. And yet by faith, because you know him, you know, I bless you, Lord. I have all that I need and I'll take more, please. Amen. 
Instead of going, oh, it's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. That's lack of faith. Because here's what happens in the promised land. There's something really powerful. This is what he said. I'm trying so hard to just give you what he said. Because uh, these are the, just what I captured as soon as I got up. The wonder and the feeling of just walking around in your land of abundance is so clear that I can't take any credit for it. Selah. How much of your life are you trying to take credit for instead of throwing everything in his direction? Every brain cell that I have that I can even think of anything, that's you. Any physical ability that I have that I can do anything, that's you. Everything that I ever thought that was good, that came from you. It's that we give him credit. Being so clear that I can't even take care of abundance without divine intervention. I can't even take care of all this grace and favor without his divine intervention. So aware of the honor and the gift of being chosen to hope to hear. Do you understand the fact that you're sitting here today is an act of his grace. He chose you to be here today just so he could love on you. You're not doing some church duty. The king of the universe is trying to give you something. What, what a phenomenal act of affection. What, I mean, if that doesn't just like make you kind of go, Ugh, wow, then you need to check your pulse, your spiritual pulse. Amen? Because the God of the universe is trying to talk to you. And so he said there's this, this ownership question has completely shifted. And this is where it gets to the crux. The ownership question. Who's in charge? Who's the owner of it all? I want to remind you desperately, sadly, that there was an entire generation that saw the glories of God and they died in the desert. And if you go back and look at, I think it's Psalm 78, it said they died in the desert because they would not remember his glorious works. They died in the desert because they would not remember his glorious wonders and all that he had, did, he had done. And uh, that, that doesn't make me afraid of God, but that sobers me up just real fast, right? Lord, I don't want to take anything that you do for granted. I don't want to act like I, I'm owed that or I deserve that. I want to be so aware. I, and you know what? More than anything, more than me afraid of what's going to happen, I want to move this direction. I want to remember your glorious wonders. I want to write them down. I want to tell people. Can I, I tell you, we just had this crazy purchase. And I've had so much fun telling people the story. Because every time I tell the story, it just, re, it just plants that testimony down in my own soul more. And then God did this. And then God did that. And it was against all hope. And I didn't know how this was going to happen. And then God did this. And you'll never believe it. And then God did this. Because it reminds me that my God is working in the midst, even though I have no idea the outcome. Because he just asked me to believe and he'd take care of all the details. Listen, that's a word for some of you. You're sitting right here and go, when God moves, then I'll believe. And the Lord's going, no, you believe. And then I'll move. With marshmallows. Okay? So for you to get to the promised land is for you to make a shift from scraping and slave mentality into stewards. Okay? There's a total shift that has to happen. Oh, yeah, I have to give you this phrase. The Lord said, this is just something that he poured out. He said, all they did, they died in the desert because they would not remember your glorious wonders. 
and all they did was complain about the toil and accuse God of wrongdoing. Pay attention. All they did was complain about the toil and accuse God of wrongdoing. They refused his abundance and they refused to give him faith. They refused his abundance and they refused to give him faith. Do you understand? That is the only people group in billions of billions of people who ever ate the angels' food. They are the only people ever. When we get to heaven, we're going to raise a, hey, who's eating manna? And there's just going to be this little select group of people who God honored in that way. And yet, no matter how God showed them on their behalf, gave them ravens, gave them manna, brought water out of the desert, he continued to show up for them, and yet they still would not give their faith. They still would not come to expect... Okay, they still would not come to expect and depend. He did it before, he will do it again. He did it before, he will do it again. How about you? Oh yeah, God did that before, but I don't know, I don't know. Like how quick are you to go, he did it before, he will do it again. I don't know how, only one burning bush, but he's going to be God to me. So pay attention to, they refused God's abundant and they refused to give give him their faith. So I want to just give you, break down a couple of things about slaves to stewards and ultimately to sons, but I'm not going to get to to the children of God this week. Slaves do what they are told. They are punished if they do not do what they are told. They don't make decisions. They don't reap the reward. And they don't take days off. I'm going to say that again. Slaves do what they are told. They're punished if they do not do what they are told. They don't make decisions. They don't get to reap the reward. And they don't take days off. And I'm just going to get way up in your business right here. God, is, God himself is the one that initiated rest. He himself is the one that did that. They were a, a working people. You worked to survive. You didn't even have any idea of leisure. And then when the Lord showed up, he is the one that instituted Sabbath. And he, they were, you got to understand, this is the only people group on the face of the earth that stopped working for an entire day. Just let your mind think about that. And they're going, oh, how can you take off? Like, how are you going to eat? And they're going, well, our God said he's going to take care of us in that, that 24-hour period. Selah, I want you to be hearing modern day argumentation about how we do this. I don't have time to rest. I've said it. You've said it. Just going to let you, just let everything ping around as it needs to. Go, Jesus, go. Okay? So here's these people that if they don't work, they die. And so here comes God and says, I want you to take 24 hours off, and I'm going to meet your need in the meantime. And so they're going, okay. And then God comes up and he tells them to do what? Take a full year off. An entire year off from work. God saying, I'm going to provide for you. And like, When I ask you about faith, these are a people that are being, I mean, like faith building. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, don't think that you're the only people on the face of the planet going, oh, God doesn't know how hard it is for me. He does. For, you know, millions of years, people have been, not millions because I I believe in a young earth, but thousands upon thousands of years, people have been coming to the throne of God and God going, do you believe me? Do you believe me yet? Because if you believe me, let's try this. Let's see if you actually believe me. Because why? Because he's testing that person? No. Because he's wanting to show his wonder and goodness and abundance. And if they're constantly depending on themselves, they will never see the goodness of God. They'll never see and believe that it's him. 
Do you understand the beauty of the promised land is that he had that plan for them all along. Let your mind think about this for a second. Took them out of Egypt, brought them to the desert, and was always taking them to the promised land. You all remember this story? 40 years in the desert, 40-day trip. He had that prepared in advance for them, but he was trying to get their hearts to a place where they could receive it. There's something so weighty on that phrase. If you think you need more money to live into abundance, you're, you're wrong. You're just straight up, flat out wrong with lots of marshmallows, okay? That is not the kingdom of God. That is the world system that says, I have to work harder. I have to do more. Instead, you're trying to figure out how to move from being a slave to a steward. So, here comes the Sabbath. They rest. The Lord actually really honors our Sabbath, and he wants us to honor our Sabbath as well. If you don't have a weekly Sabbath, I would just suggest you try that. Slaves live in fear of their masters, and they live in fear for their lives. What's your fear factor? You know, here's a really, really hard question, because I haven't asked one yet, is how much are you afraid of your boss? How, How terrified are you of your boss that... Oh, if I got to do this right, or he's going to fire me, and what happens if I get fired, and then what if I lose my job? It's like, do you have a heavenly God that takes care of you? They grumbled, they were negative, they thought they had nothing instead of seeing what they did have, and they scrape around, and they also hoard. Now, what does it look like to be a steward? Because this is the shift that's happening for all of us. You guys ready? Yep. Stewards understand the weight of trust this is a gift god is giving us a gift when he gives us when he calls us stewards he's looking at you and he's going i trust you to manage my affairs this is incredible understanding the weight of the trust also understanding the gift of provision you can't you couldn't make those grapes you couldn't make the promised land but you have received a gift. And God wants to know, do you, do you care about this gift? I've worked really hard to give you this gift. Do you care about it? I, this, isn't, this is just something that's just come to me just now. Is have you worked really hard to do something really wonderful to somebody for someone? And then they go, thanks. Now, put that in connection to God and you. That God has worked on your behalf, worked in unseen ways, gone above and beyond to try to bring your life to a different level and you go thanks not really what I wanted but thanks it's like honoring the gift of provision asking God to give you eyes to see here's a hard one stewards understand they're on an adventure slaves talk about toil stewards talk about adventures There's hard work, but there's a purpose. Do you, have you tapped into the purpose of your hard work? Or are you just trying to grind it out? What's the purpose of your hard work? And it's probably not for your retirement fund, by the way. Seriously, Abrahamic covenant, why are we blessed? We are blessed to be a blessing. There is a divine purpose to your money and your efforts and your labors. Have you tapped into that yet? Are you giving? 
If you're not giving, you're a slave mentality. I have to keep all my money because I won't get any more money. And it's my money. I work for my money. No, every single penny you have came from the throne of God. It comes from God through you and it goes out. You should be giving somewhere. If you're being fed somewhere, you should be paying those people because those people are honoring God to give, pour out their gifts. This is the way the body works together. I'm going to tell you one thing about a slave is they are not generous. Stewards are generous and they give freely and they give it away without expecting repayment and they give overage. They give. Why do stewards give? Because it's not theirs anyway. And he's got plenty. So I can give to you because he's going to refuel and replenish everything I got. So it's like, you know, one of the lessons that Chuck and I learned, and this is not about me and Chuck, this is about great teachers who poured into us. The more broke we get, the more we give. I know that sounds crazy, but I have to make myself faith. Do you all ever do this? I have to make myself faith. I'm just going to bust myself up. You don't mind me telling this. We, we had a debt to a family member. It's caused a wedge. Don't ever borrow from your family. It's terrible. I did that once in my 20s. Don't ever do that. It's awful. Okay, ever, ever. Okay, <clears throat> so just Chuck and I are coming home. I don't remember where we were, but we were coming home, and, and I had looked at my bank account, and our bank account, and I said, hey, look at this. And Chuck, I'm thinking, I, to, to be honest, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And Chuck goes, man, we need to pay that debt. We had not talked about that debt in a year. A year. And uh, I just went, oh. And I was so mad because I knew he's right. I knew he's right. And I didn't have any way to get out of it. So I just wrangled with the Lord. Okay, fine. Because the Lord just kept bringing back that scripture goes, um, keep your word even when it hurts, Right. And so here was finally this opportunity for us to repay this debt. And so I say to Chuck, I'm looking at all the monies. We've had a lot of expenses lately. And I'm going, babe, I'm going to pay this debt because God just brought it up. And we're going to be free of this once and for all. But I just want you to know, man, it's going to take us to the wire. So no extra expenses. I mean, it's going to take everything we have for us to get through this and just get through this season, the pay cycle. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just like tight. And so we do that. I feel so free. Chuck feels so free. I mean, we're like going, God, this is amazing. And do you know that Chuck's bank account got scammed and they had a a withdrawal of like, was it $600? $600. Well, then you're going, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Don't let that check come through just yet. Right? And the Lord's going, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And then the Lord went, do you trust that I can hold the check? And that you're going to be all right until that money gets refunded. Or do you trust, even if she cashes that check and it bounces, that I'm still doing something in that? Do you understand? There is no best case, worst case scenario when Jesus is the center. There's just Jesus at the center. Okay? So, stewards... Stewardship comes from this place of, I understand it's all the Lord's. He has plenty, and I'm just here to pass through the way he wants to pass through. So understand the weight of the trust that's been given to you. Understand the gift of the provision. Understand it's an adventure. It's hard work, but it's for a purpose, that I might bless others, that you might bless others. That there is protection needed. God is asking me to protect the gifts that he's given me. 
that there is an assignment, but there's also empowerment that God is going to give us, you, me, us, this assignment of abundance. But he's going to also give you everything you need, the empowerment you need to do it. And then I don't know if you guys have been around. I've been around too many football coaches, but I can hear um, Lou Holtz talking about um, and people who work. People say, well, they gave me more work, but they didn't give me any authority to do anything about it. Do you know this conversation? Responsibility versus authority. When you're a steward, you have responsibility and you have the authority. God has given you the, the authority to fulfill the responsibilities that he's given you. So you don't stand around and go, I don't know. I don't know. Yes, I do know because he's going to tell me because he's given me this to steward. We're not the owners, but we are the stewards that he's entrusted for this. So John 15, 15 talks about, you can turn there. I'm going to read it to you, but no longer do I call you slaves. Actually, let's look this up. John 15, 15. You need to see this with your own eyeballs. <clears throat> This is a really important concept to your God in heaven. John 15, 15. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I've made known to you. So you've got to take a long, hard look at how you view your work and how you're viewing you in what you're doing. Are you acting like a slave when God is calling you to do something different? And then also <clears throat> Romans ten eleven. <coughs> Romans ten eleven. It, as scripture says, let me take a drink. <clears throat> Romans ten eleven. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him, or in my translation, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And then this was fun. Chuck found this this morning. It was so fun. Um, this conversation is referencing, anyone who believes in him, never be put to shame, is referencing Isaiah twenty eight sixteen, 16, uh, which was actually kind of shocking. Um, this, if you like scripture, I would look this up at least at some point. Isaiah twenty eight sixteen. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. And the one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Well, what an expression. How much of your life are you stricken with panic? I just want you to take a long, hard look at that. You live like paupers. You live in lack and scraping. You live in panic because you have possibly forgotten that you are on a sure foundation, a precious cornerstone. Okay, so here's just a couple more thoughts. I'm just going to, this is kind of like a teaser, maybe, not quite, but you're going to move from slaves to stewards. And you and I know that, that we are sons and daughters of God, right? co-heirs we share the family name but this is something that the lord kind of broke down for me about the process of maturity this is a hard thought so try to stay with me okay when you're a child you move in dependence on your parents for good or for ill right 
if you have good parents, if you have bad parents, but you're dependent on your parents. And so then as you come of age, whatever that coming of age is, most of the time, technically, it should be in your early 20s. Because in your early 20s, it happens in those 16 tween years, teen, teen years, are going, I don't believe anything you say. But there's like this reckoning, trying to decide, what am I going to believe about my life? And so somewhere in the 20s, I want to be so careful about how I say this. This coming of age, you start making decisions about, did I have good parents or did I have bad parents? Because now you've gotten around other people and you go, oh, not everybody's parents are the same. Okay, I didn't know y'all did that. Wow, I don't know why we did that. Like Salmon. Why does my family say Salmon? I have no idea. (laughs) Why does my family say Parmesan? Have you ever gone to a very nice restaurant and asked for Parmesan cheese and they look at you like you've grown a third eye? What? To this day, my entire family says Parmesan and salmon. Why? Why? Okay? I'm talking about your natural My natural family. Yeah. So I had that fixed before I met you. I had that fixed before I met you. Yeah, I had that fixed. I got that. But see, that, that's exactly right. I had that fixed before I met him, right? This coming of age, you're like, oh, I can't be doing that stuff, right? Okay, I need to keep that. That was really good. And so here's what happens. Let me just stay with me for a second. There comes this season of transfer, right? There's a coming of age. You're getting a concept about the world, right? And there's a place where you are naturally supposed to go from your parents, not just dad, although we love to preach that, father, father, father. You got a mother, mother, mother for a reason. So the parents, the way the parents have brought you. And there's supposed to be this natural transference that you come to the Lord. That you go from your parents to the heavenly mother, father, the spirit, the father, God, Jesus. You come to this place of... I am a child of them, and now I understand I'm a child of them. And then they start directing my life and my value systems. Are you with me so far? Okay, in the absence of this transfer comes this pinnacle of self-reliance and independence. It's where we become selfish. It's where we become... Jesus, marshmallows. It's where we become orphans. And you start living out of an orphan spirit. Because my parents can't be relied on, or I'm not underneath their roof anymore, but I haven't come fully under the roof and the provision of a loving God. So I start trying to make it work on my own strength, my own steam, my own understanding, my own wisdom. And I become an orphan trying to go, it's all on me. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Nobody's for me. How am I going to do this? You were never meant to live that way. You were to go from this, this beautiful concept that Lord, the Lord calls family until you can get of age and grow up and you move over to the family of God and you understand, I have always been loved. I have always been provided for. I will always be provided for. And then when I move from here to there, I'm never going to be more at home than I am, I am ever because I've, I belong with them. Do you understand? We belong with our family in heaven. And we're trying to learn how to get to there as quick as we can here. And so I just want to bless you with the concept that you start really paying attention to. That you 
are part of a holy family. And when you are part of a holy family, you're not your own master, but you're also not an orphan. It's not on you. And when you start hearing that lie, that it's all on me and I've got to take care of everything, then you start raising a hallelujah that's higher than the unbelief because that's all that is. That's just straight up unbelief. So here's some really tough questions. And then we're going to close with this. Thinking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we may have to break this down more next week. But <sighs> grace upon this, Lord. Grace upon this. <sighs> you coming to terms with who you are, body, soul, and spirit, as a person. In the eyes of God, and in the eyes, God, in your eyes, like how this connection is, is how well do you listen to women? I really would like for you to write these questions down. They're worthy of writing down. How well do you listen to women? How well do you listen to men? How well do you respond and take correction? So here's the three questions. How well do you listen to women? How well do you listen to men? How well do you respond and take correction? So think about this concept. Remember I talked about your family of origin. Have you got a family of origin that looks like this? What dad says goes. And mom's just kind of there as an after fact. Okay, now try to put that picture. Just stay with me regardless of where you are. Now try to put that picture on your heavenly parents. That means that you're going to listen to Father God and the Holy Spirit. I don't really need the Holy Spirit. Just pay attention. Okay, now what if you've got this? Mom and dad, super dominant mom, super passive dad. Now put that picture over here. Only when I see the Holy Spirit moving, I don't take any credence about when a man or the father's trying to talk to me, give me instructions, be there for me, right? It's only when we make this, you know, your mom, dad story, it's just like my mom and dad story, just like my kids, mom and dad story. Lots of good things, lots of bad things. Amen? Wasn't supposed to be about them. We're just trying to get you here. Amen? Do you understand how much pressure we've taken off your life if you'll just realize that? Take your mom, dad off the hook. Love of God. Somebody tell my kids that too, okay? Take your, <laughs> take your mom and dad off the hook and stop blaming them for everything. But this natural transference. Listen, you're going to know whether you've made the transference to your holy parents by whether or not you're still blaming your mom and your daddy. You're still copping out on your life and going, oh, I can't because, oh my gosh. Like, let's make the transference. So the transference is this is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful circle. It's a beautiful circle. One begins, the other ends. One begins, the other ends. One speaks, the other moves, the other makes it happen. One pays for it. One initiates it. We breathe, we live, we move. In Him, we have our being. This is God. And you know what God does? Is He does this right here. And He just pulls us in. Pulls us into this table, this beautiful Father, Son, and Holy Spirit says, come in. And you're going to know how much you're capturing the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the truth of the Father, the power of the Spirit and Jesus coming through us when you know how you listen to men and women. If you say, God, women are so stupid, you might have an issue with the Holy Spirit. 
If you think that men can't be trusted, well, how's your relationship with the Father? Has the Father come in and healed you of those wounds? Like, are you able to receive correction because I'm not my own person? I'm not in charge. I have to be corrected. I just had a total stranger dress me down the other day. Hey, the Lord just gave me a word for you, and I need to just tell you that you are this and this. And I just went, okay, Uh, okay. Because you know what I want to say is I want to poke her right in the eyeballs and go, do you know who you're talking to? And the Lord said, and that right there is what I'm talking about. And so I just had to go, I, in the spirit, I just had to go, God, I'm listening, man, I'm listening. Because you rebuke a wise man, and what? He becomes wiser still. Do you know this verse? You rebuke a wise man, he becomes wiser still. I want to be wise. Are you able to be rebuked? Are you able to have somebody go, stop doing that? Start doing this. Because if you won't receive that here, how on earth are you going to receive it from the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Because I can tell you, they are constantly correcting us, loving us. Why? Because they are excellent parents we belong to a family we belong to a family you're part of this beautiful family i wanted to finish up this testimony i told you about this encounter that i had with lord the lord about being in the promised land and him talking to me about what that meant to him and the that very day you'll be amazed by what i do the time has come for you to ascend into a new realm okay i'm going to send this out so you guys can have this this is for you the time has come for you to ascend into a new realm. You, you want to faith that all day long, okay? The old way of thinking must be abandoned and surrendered to the new life of my spirit. Can you, just, can you imagine? My ways are not your ways. Man's ways are centered around power and influence. My ways are passive love that will mystify and bewilder even the brightest of men and women. The ways of the Spirit are unseen and yet mighty. You will be amazed by what I will do with your life as you surrender to my ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My Holy Spirit is the divine intelligence that moves in the hearts of my people to bring them to the fountain of truth. Do you know what some of you just need to pray through that that sentence? My Holy Spirit is the divine intelligence that moves in the hearts of my people to bring them to the fountain of truth. You forgot who the Spirit of God is. You forgot who it is. Many debate and argue trying to prove their point, but my voice calls out to you in the silence and will teach you wisdom that cannot be given by man. The thoughts I have for you will bring you joy and comfort, for I hold you in my heart as my dearest treasure. You will not understand what I'm about to do, but you will be amazed as my glory unfolds within you and gives you revelation light, for you have the mind of Christ. The Passion Translation. Why fill yourself and live under an illusion? Make no mistake about it. If anyone thinks he's wise with a world standard, he will be made wiser by being a fool for God. 1 Corinthians 3.18 There's something about you living your life on purpose as a steward, you live in your life on purpose, not for pursuit of scraping around, but how then shall I carry the abundance of God that's made known to people who have the faith to perceive it? Okay? Yeah. And I want you to understand, please hear me. This is in your life, in your way, right now, today. God's abundance has to translate in Chuck and Jana's life, in Will and Laura's life, 
and Barb and Tim's life, right? This isn't some kingdom churchy blah, blah, blah thing, right? This is real life abundance right in the middle of your world. What does it look like for abundance, the abundance of God to show up in your world tomorrow, today? What does that look like? That's what we're talking about. And you having the faith to perceive it and to push into it and say, yes, Lord, more please and thank you. Yeah, so put your hand on your heart. God, that's just what we say. Thank you, more please, and thank you for that. We just thank you, God, that you are abundant, that you're good, that you're lavish, that your love knows no ends, and that you call each one of us your dearest treasure. I don't even think half of us believe that. So I'm just going to bless us with faith to start right there, that you call each one of us your dearest treasure right now, right in the middle of everything that we're in, You just look on us and go, oh, my heart is exploding because I love you so much. So we just thank you, God, for that kind of overwhelming love. We thank you that you have a purpose for each one of us in the days that we live in right now. And that we have um, just, uh, just the weight of glory. God, let us carry the weight of your glory well. Um, And shift us, Lord, shift our thinking. We, by faith, shift our thinking from slaves to stewards. We thank you for that, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.